Hey, Rich Paramount, welcome to our podcast. We really hope this message encourages and challenges you as you walk with the Lord every day. Enjoy this message. I'm just excited about what God's doing in people's lives. And, and before I get started, though, before I jump into it, I want to just honor my pastors and thank them for giving me the opportunity to come and speak tonight. Um, and, and I also want to honor my wife. Um, yeah, yeah, I want to honor my wife. She's, she's not able to make it tonight. She's recovering from a procedure that she needed to have. Um, but babe, I love you. And for those of you who don't know, we're celebrating our 15th year anniversary next month. And uh, I could just say this, man, just being in ministry with, with your spouse and just, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. And, um, you know, I just thank this church and, and some of you people, man, you've poured into our lives. And, and I know I'm saying this as a pastor, but this is how it works, is that the church begins to pour into your lives, pour into your marriage. Uh, you see the good exampleships in this church. Again, you don't need a title to be a good example, amen? But you see the examples that people have, and it just spurs you on. And next thing I know, I blink, we're in ministry, and it's like 15 years of marriage. And can I be honest? I never slept on the couch. Never slept on the couch. I'm serious. That's not a joke. Okay? Neither is she. Okay? She hasn't slept on the couch either. Okay? Not to say we don't have our issues, right? We all do. Um, but man, it's just, it's a blessing when you serve the Lord, uh, you and your spouse. But um, uh, I want to just, let me just open up in prayer. I want to get right into it. Heavenly Father, I just thank you, Lord. I, I just honor you this evening. Father, I submit myself unto you, to your words, to your agenda, Lord. And I pray that the scriptures would begin to minister to those that are listening, Lord. Father, that your words and the scriptures that I read tonight would hearts, Lord, would saturate their minds and would encourage their spirit. We just thank you and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. This past week, conference, and I just want to explain to a lot of people what conference means to me for just a moment. When I started coming to church, I accepted Jesus. I played the game, right? I said, hey, Lord, I'm going to join you. I'm going to believe in you and I'm going to come to church. That's what I told myself. But it wasn't until I started to really get into, you know, what discipleship truly meant. And what I want to spell out to you, there's two, there's really two, two types of people that are sitting in here today. There's the churchgoer, and then there's the disciple. And I've mentioned this before in my other sermons, so this shouldn't be anything new to you unless you're hearing me speak for the first time. But this is something I want to hit home, is that there's a churchgoer, and then there are disciples, when I started coming to, um, when I started to come to Pastor Omar's church, I was a young, young churchgoer. But then I started to go to conference, and I try, I started to understand what conference truly meant. In other words, I started to catch the vision a little bit, right? I understood what was being said. I was educated enough in the scriptures to understand that the vision lines up exactly with the scriptures. I understood that church planting is something that needs to take place. And on the last night of conference, I heard Pastor Eddie say it nice and loud and slow that we are still a church planting movement. And when I heard you give God praise for that, I can honestly say that we are in a church that plants other churches. 
We are in a church that makes disciples. We're not in a church that we're just trying to make you a churchgoer. We're trying to get more out of that. And that's not because we're trying to be selfish. That's not because we're trying, we need more money. That's not it. This was a design that Christ intended to have for his people. And our church is following that design. And so tonight I want to just go over the book of Titus with you. I have some other verses, but I'm going to park it in Titus. Titus, I was reading the book of Titus and it was ministering to me just before conference. And so I said, you know what, I want to preach a little bit out of Titus. So tonight you're going to, you're going to see some verses that I'm going to preach to you about. But our conference theme always, or our conference always challenges me. I always say this, that yeah, you know how we celebrate New Year's? Like, oh, okay, I'm in a, I'm in a new year, it's January, I'm gonna do some things different. Anybody do that? Yeah. New Year's resolution, right? Well, my spiritual life revolves around conference, believe it or not. I measure myself based on the last conference. And so what I, and, and this wasn't something that someone told me to do, this is something that I started to look at my spiritual life. Because every time conference came around, I started to realize where do I fit in in this big picture? Where do I fit in in this network? Where do I fit in in this mosaic? Where do I fit in in this church? Right? And so as I begin to measure myself, I say, okay, I have to think about as I'm sitting in services and I'm listening to scriptures and and great preaching, I'm trying to weigh myself and standardize myself and say, look, this is where you were last year. What's your plan for this coming year for your spiritual life? But this conference theme was heavy. To me, it was very heavy. It was mosaic. For those of you that don't know, it's a mosaic. When you think about mosaic, you're probably not thinking a whole lot. You know, I think sometimes I think about, you know, just a picture at the bottom of a pool, a rich man's pool, right? Just, I think of a mosaic that way. Or maybe you think about the window panes at a Catholic church at a different colors and whatnot, right? But you know what's great about the mosaic is the mosaic isn't always, a, a mosaic isn't always created with the same pieces. Sometimes there's different pieces. Sometimes there's tiles. Sometimes there's glass. Sometimes there's limestone. There's just different things that a mosaic begins to come about. And when you ask yourself, where do I fit in on this? Where do you fit in in that mosaic? And I'm reminded in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, here's the intent. This is very intentional, the intent of what Paul was trying to drive to the church in Corinth. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27, it says, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but earnestly desire the higher gifts. I'm going to say that again, but earnestly desire the higher gifts and I will show you a still more excellent way. When you look at this, this, this strong language that the apostle Paul is using here, the earnestly desire part, some of us have a hard time doing that. Some of us have a hard time saying, oh, I can't wait to come to church on Sunday. I can't wait to go and, you know, spend all my Fridays at a connect group. It gets pretty hard, you know? You just see, oh man, you know, can I be honest with you? I've been, I've been teaching a connect group over 10 plus years now. 
And, and I, I realize like it's gone by so fast, but I would not have it any other way than being with amongst God's people, worshiping him, learning his word is something that is extremely, extremely healthy to my spiritual, my spiritual life. With that came with the desire, the desire to be around people, the desire to know more about God. It is also where I realized how essential the church was for my life. It was a place where I began to be purified by God. You know, that, that word purified is mentioned in the book of Titus, but purified, when I think of purified, I think of gold. I love, I love just looking at gold and, and actually the process of making gold. Has anyone made gold in their garage? Good. I'm going to show you how to do it. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that. But gold, in order to make really pure gold, you have to burn it at a temperature of 2,000 degrees. Now, that's very hot. That's not something that you could do in your garage safely, right? But you have to burn it at 2,000 degrees. The reason why you have to burn it is because you gotta get all the impurities out of it. See, sometimes gold is created, it has other metals in it. It's got dirt. It's got different things that is stuck to it. But when you begin to purify, begin to burn it at 2,000 degrees, everything else starts to melt. But, not, and, and, but everything starts to disintegrate, but the gold doesn't disintegrate. It's a precious metal. See, and, and that's one thing that, as you read the next few verses, you're gonna see how that purification takes place. In the same way, God is trying to do that with us. See, we are called to be in church. Can I be honest with you? The whole world is called to be in church. That was God's intention. That was Jesus' intention. And what Paul is doing is he's bringing that out. Now Paul begins to write, in the book of Titus, he begins to write and he covers three identities in church, okay? So you should be able to fit in one of these three. Be honest with you, all right? So the first one is he identifies as the elders, okay? Maybe that's not you. I think that may fall under me, Okay? <laughs> He identifies as the elders. The second one, he identifies as the disciples, the Christians, the believers, the disciples. You want to know what the third one is? It's the liars. It's the false teachers. And if you read the book of Titus, he begins to talk about the false teachers, the liars. But I want to go ahead and start off by reading Titus chapter 2, verse 11. And I want to show you this perfect, this, this, the whole reason of being purified. In Titus chapter 2, verse 11, it says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for some people. No, it doesn't say some people. Wake up. It says for all people. Okay? I'm going to read it again. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for who? All, all people. Training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself. I'm going to say it again, to purify, not for you, for himself, a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. So the intention that Paul is trying to bring out is for all of us, all people, is salvation. And then through that salvation, we are to be zealous and purified for the good works. 
I love this because what Paul's doing is he's giving us a standard to live by. In other words, you are probably sitting there and you're probably saying, where do I fall in these different degrees or these different temperatures? Am I a true disciple? Am I just a churchgoer? Or am I a liar? Am I a false teacher? Can I be honest? Every church has them. Okay? And they may not be public. You may not know that they're liars because they lie to themselves all the time. But that still makes them liars. And so we have to understand where do we fall in line with this? And you know what? I've lied to myself before about church. Well, I don't know, God, I don't, I don't look like Pastor Omar. I don't really speak like him. Do I really belong here? You begin to compare yourself and lie to yourself. You guys ever do that? I guess I'm the only one tonight. Do you ever do that? You ever compare yourself? You know, I'm not as buff as Isaac. You know? He probably didn't like that. <laughs> I'm not as educated as this person. You know? Or, or you tell yourself this, these other lies where it's like, well, no, no one in my family is, is in the church or no one in my family is a pastor. Am I called to be a pastor? You start to believe in these things. But God has these expectations where we're supposed to purify ourselves. In other words, there's this process that we need to go through as Christians where we need to allow him to begin to get rid of some of these impurities that we have in our life. So when you accept Jesus at step one, but then you start the process of purification. And in that purification process, you have to be able to begin to fit into this church that he had planned for you. This mosaic. See, you're a piece of the puzzle. You're a piece of that greater picture. That's how God sees you. And he sees me the same way as you. That you are a piece of a mosaic. You are a piece of the church. Has anyone ever drinking dirty water before? I've drinking dirty water before. Not on purpose. But it's happened on accident. Okay, I used, to, I used to be on the swim team in school. Now this is gonna be kind of controversial here that I'm, what I'm about to say. And so there's a running joke that if you urinate in the pool, it turns a different color. Well, somebody had found out that nobody's been keeping up the pool. So one guy said, hey, I went, but nothing turned to a different color. I said, you went? <laughs> and he's in my lane, you know, so I'm like, you went? And you just start thinking, like, what did I just hear? I'm drinking this, like, did I swallow any of this? Like, is it on my body? And is, if you've ever been in a public pool, don't act, don't act like you're holy. Okay, but it happens. You know, your community pool, your public pool, if you're dipping in the ocean, God knows what's in there. Okay, but it happens. We drink it. You know, I remember one time I went to the ocean, I drank, I, I, was, I, was, I was having a good time. I was jumping in the water, I was jumping over waves. I was a dolphin that whole day. And I remember the next day I woke up with a sore throat. Does that happen to anybody? Maybe just me. I realized, oh my God, I am sick. That means I was doing something, I was probably drinking impurities, right? Or how about you ever drink water that just tasted bad? You ever drink water that just tasted, ooh, I'm not drinking that anymore. Or you, you know, you, you, you're eating cereal and you realize, ooh, this doesn't, it tastes bad, right? See, when you're not purified, 
That's, that's the same feeling Jesus has about his church. When you're sitting there and you're just a church going, he's like, mm, this just isn't purified the way I want it to be. It's not as clean as I want it to be. It's just not there. But I think what we need to do is we need to start to look to the gospel. And I'm, I'm not preaching heavy tonight, but I will say this, and, and, and it's just a basic understanding for you to kind of just measure yourself. The gospel produces godliness in the lives of the believers. Everyone agree with that, right? In other words, the gospel produces some type of godliness, right? It can't produce something bad, right? Like you read the Bible like, oh, this is, I'm gonna be a bad person now. <laughs> like, it just doesn't do that, right? And, and, and we have some friends here today, right? And that, that were, were in, you know, in penitentiary, they read God's word and all of a sudden their lives are changed. It wasn't the guards, okay? It wasn't anybody like that. It was literally God's word changed them. It transformed them. Really one of the only books that can do that. But what I want to tell you is there's no separation between belief and behavior. That's good. There is no separation between belief and behavior. And what I'm trying to tell you is if you truly believe the gospel, you are going to behave like you believe the gospel. You start to behave in those things. What I love about my pastor, he says this, he says, when people walk in here, they're going to belong, they're going to believe, and then they're going to behave. But where do you fall in line with that? Where do you fall in line with that? Because we say, oh, I belong. Yeah, well, everybody belongs. You walk in here, you belong here. I'm being honest. We're going to love you. I don't care what happened in your past. We're going to love you. We're going to treat you like everybody else. You belong here, right? But then you have to believe because when you truly believe, right, you start to behave, now, but he, here's, here's kind of the problem, okay? We say we believe, but we don't behave any differently than we did when we were in the world. We start to think that, oh, okay, I do believe. You could say it, I believe in Jesus. You can tell me as a pastor or Pastor Omar or Pastor Isaac that you believe, but you know what we're looking for? Are you behaving? I'm gonna be honest. Can I be honest tonight? Are you, do you behave like it? And trust me, I sit through a lot of counseling sessions and I'm sure Pastor Isaac and Pastor Jacob and Pastor Omar, I'm sure they do too, where you just realize, I don't know, they're not behaving like they should. So do you truly believe? So a lot of it comes down to that. You know, and I'm here to tell you, you are a part of this mosaic. But maybe you feel like you don't fit. Can I be honest? I feel, I've been there. Where I feel like, I don't know if I fit. Is this the right church for me? And I really started to realize it's because it was, such, it was so challenging for me that I didn't want to be purified. We're like, man, they want to hold me accountable. Man, they call me and ask me where I'm at. <laughs> this connect group thing's getting real serious. They're asking me now to take up the offering in connect group. They're asking, what, I got to bring food to this? Like, I gotta, you should bring food. Can I mean, please. For, I'm speaking for all the leaders. Bring food. Okay? We're not gonna say nothing. We're just gonna buy it. But bring it. Okay? Bring it. Help out a little bit. So, you can give God praise for that. Go ahead. 
you're gonna eat. Don't worry, you're gonna eat if you don't bring, you're gonna eat, okay? But Friday night, you know, all of a sudden there's like this accountability. Like, leave me alone, I'm a good person. Yeah, we know that. We're not saying you're not a good person, right? But we're not here just to show you salvation. We're here because you're part of the mosaic that we're part of. You're part of the big picture. You're part of God's church. This is the original intent. The original intent is to be purified and to be zealous about the good works. You say, oh, I don't want to be in ministry. Okay, well, hey, there's something there. You're not behaving correctly. You're a disciple. You're going to want to do things for the church. And I've said this before. There's people like, hey, you know, I don't know about Pastor Rob, man. He doesn't spend time with me. You know, I'm like, okay, do you know where I'm at? Do you know the church schedule? Because that's where I'm at. Right? I got this before one time. I think I said it before, but I'm going to say it again. I got in this. Pastor Rob, don't teach me nothing. And I'm like, excuse me, I run a whole ministry about teaching. And you're not there. Like, does, can, I, can I be honest? Does everything have to be one-on-one with you? I'm here to talk about you tonight. Does everything have to be one-on-one? We serve an omniscient God, an omnipotent, and, and you want one-on, you need one-on-one? If you want one-on-one, it's right here. Behave. Behave a little bit. If you believe, you behave. That means you open it up. You read it, not the app. Where your auntie's texting you and distracting you and you see the notifications because you don't know how to manage them, right? So you get notifications for the NFL, you're getting cooking tips while you're trying to read God's word. You read the physical Bible. You put your phone on silent underneath the bed and you spend time with God. This is how you behave. But not everything has to be one-on-one. I'm, I'm not saying it's not gonna happen. Of course, people need one-on-one counseling. People need one-on-one teaching and all this. But you know, honestly, the, it's all written in God's word. And, and, and what God's trying to do is he's trying to mold you. I'm not supposed to mold everything about you. Nor is it, you are to be in God's presence in his spirit so he can begin to break you, heat you up, and get those impurities out of you. It's not about some session. It's not about like, oh, I need, I, I need a, a, you know, a marriage conference. No, you, you need to read God's word. Well, that church over there, though, they do this, and I need that. Oh, okay. So you need more than the Bible. You need more than God's word. You need more than his Holy Spirit. You know what ends up happening? You take all the problems that you had here, and then you just take them over there. And you know what that pastor's doing? He's like, oh, my gosh, what's going on here? just inherited all these problems. And the answer is found in God's word. But it's this purification process that we need to go through that God has intentionally designed. See, you're not called to just be a church goer. You are part of something greater. So go ahead, put up this mosaic. If the production team can put that, that picture up, I said. You look at that and it's ugly. It's a mosaic. It's nothing special, right? It just... If I were to show you, hey, check out this picture, and I text it to you, you'd be like, dude, this is, this is nothing, right? You're, gonna probably, you're probably looking at it right now, and you're, looking, you're trying to make it out. It's kind of messy. It looks a little broken. 
right? But you notice that there may be a person here because you kind of see an arm. Then you see some kind of, the arm is doing something to what may be an instrument. But there's something greater about this picture that you don't understand, and this is for some of you that are sitting here that don't understand how the church works. See, in order to understand, and leave this picture up, don't take it down. But this picture is a very powerful picture. When you begin to understand the meaning of the picture, you understand its story. Now I'm gonna tell you its story and its origin, all right? So bear with me. This mosaic that you are looking at was founded in 1966. It was founded in Palestine, on the coast. And it was founded in a church, at least what they thought was a church at the time. What ended up happening is when they found it, they found it kind of messed up. In other words, it doesn't look like it's supposed to look like, at least not its original intent. But what you're looking at is a picture of King David playing the lyre. And maybe you're putting it together if you understand some of the politics behind it. I'm not gonna get political tonight, but I wanna understand how important this mosaic is. This mosaic has been dated at 508 B.C., it's 500 years before Jesus Christ. Not only that, if it was dated at 508 BC, the church didn't exist yet. You know what existed? Synagogues. Synagogues existed. So it wasn't a church they found this in, they found it in a synagogue. But what's even greater is if you understand the Gaza Strip, it's all about fighting for land. And basically, the Israelites were in Palestine. That's what this is saying. And because of that, when Palestine took over, they begin to chip away at King David. You see the significant value of what's happening here now. Before you saw it was just a mess. But if they could chip away at the identity of the church, like what's happening today, and begin to take away the history begin to take away the culture, begin to take away all these things that God had originally designed, then we'll serve, we won't be serving the Lord, we'll be serving the world. This is how important you are. When you're not purified, you're the missing piece. God has originally intended a certain image be kept, a certain disciple be kept. When you can't follow that, you're gonna end up serving the world. And, and this is what I'm trying to get you to understand is that your view of the church changes everything. How you serve God, how you talk to him. There is, it, what I love about our church, we have a hierarchy and that's for accountability. In other words, not anybody can just stand on this stage and begin to preach. We have people that come in here all the time saying, I have a word and a prophecy. I need the microphone. Let me see the pastor. <laughs> Absolutely not. What church do you go to? I don't go to church. I serve the Lord. Guess what you're not doing? You're not even coming to service today. You're weird. <laughs> There's accountability. There's structure. What did I, what did I just read to you? Some teachers, some apostles, some prophets, they're structured to the church. And the reason that that structure exists is because God is looking for disciples, not churchgoers. Those that earnestly seek his good works, that are zealous for those good works. 
You can take that picture down. When you begin to unpack what the church truly is, I want you to understand that you are a piece of what God wants to do. This is, the church is where God is going to move. The church is where God is going to instill his will. The church is where people will be saved. The church is where people are gonna be repaired, fixed. Marriages will be restored. Brokenness gets fixed. All those things, but yet the world wants to look at us, change us, change your mind about what we do as a community. That's what the world wants to do. It wants to chip away at the face and the identity of the church. This mosaic was a huge mosaic. It depicts a powerful story. And to this day, this mosaic causes a lot of issues in that land. Because of that mosaic, people still fight. People still put their lives up. Think about that. Not for a church, for synagogue. And if we don't understand how important it is to protect the church, it brings fear into the lives of pastors, it, it brings fear into the leadership, and it makes us weak. We have to protect God's sheep. Why am I telling you all this? Because I wanna paint the picture where you belong. Craig Rochelle says this, he said, God is not calling us to go to church. He is calling us to be his church. The hope of the world the source of moral value is gonna be the church. The end times talks about it, how the church will be persecuted. It's persecuted not because it's asking for money, not because of anything else. It's persecuted for one reason, because it's the truth. And it will hold the truth, it will upheld the truth, and you are a part of that. See, a lot, what a lot of people think is, when people come in and they criticize the church, they're basically saying, today, they want the church to be a reflection of who they are, rather than a reflection of who Christ is. In other words, I don't belong in this church because it doesn't look like me. It doesn't act like me. It doesn't feel like me. But see, you're not here to uphold or plant a different church with a different message, with a different culture. You're here to uphold the legacy of Christ. The original mosaic of the church needs to be upheld. In other words, that's why we have his word, to keep us in line, to not cross over these boundaries. It's not a feeling that drives it. But a lot of times that feeling that we feel, it makes us feel like, oh, something's wrong in the church when nothing is wrong. But rather, everything is right. Now, I'm not saying this is a perfect church. I'm a pastor here, for that. that's one error, right? I'm not perfect. You're here too, that's the second error. You're not perfect either, all right? But again, we're not gonna find the perfect church. You know, you know what, this is kind of an oxymoron. We're Christians looking for something perfect. Think about that for a second. If you're a Christian, you should have found that perfection already in Christ. But you're looking for something perfect. Because, and, and when you don't find it, that it's not perfect, you say, I don't belong here. I don't belong in, in this church because I don't like what they do or how they do it. But let me tell you that we're gonna uphold the scriptures of how Christ intended the church to be. See, you're called to fit in the church as it was originally intended to des and designed. The original design was to be a community of believers 
that edify one another. Just as Paul was talking about how some are apostles, some are pastors, some are teachers. And as we begin to unpack that, everybody's different. It's a mosaic of culture and community and diversity that comes together for one common goal. That's to worship the King of Kings. That's what we're called to do. So if we're not doing that, then you have reason to complain. But our job is to set the meeting. And it's for you to fit in and be purified. In Titus chapter three, verse four through eight, I'm gonna read two versions of this passage. I'm gonna read to you the ESV version first. It says, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by his righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to what? Good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. I'm going to say it again. These things are excellent and profitable for people. Now here's the message translation. I love the way the message kind of wraps this. It says, it wasn't so long ago that we ourselves were stupid and stubborn. Easy marks for sin. Ordered every which way by our glands, going around with a chip on our shoulder, hated and hating back. But when God, our kind and loving Savior God, stepped in, he saved us from all that. It was all his doing. We had nothing to do with it. I'm gonna say it again. We had nothing to do with it. He gave us a good bath and we came out of it new people, washed inside and out by the Holy Spirit. Our Savior Jesus poured out new life so generously. God's gift has restored our relationship with him and given us back our lives. And there's more life to come, an eternity of life. And you can count on this. He's here to turn you upside down. He's here to shake you. He's here to rattle you. And the church is here to do that as well. This is where broken becomes fixed. People say, well, I can serve God at home on a live stream. Good luck with that. You need to be in his presence. Now, I'm not saying there could be a magical person out there that can suddenly rid out of any distractions, close out all the lights, and watch a sermon online and probably get touched from God. Okay? You notice how it takes a lot to even say that? Imagine doing it, right? I, there was times where I was sick, I had to stay home and watch it. Man, I'm like, dude, I wish I was there. I wanna be amongst the people. I wanna be, I wanna have that, I want that earnest desire, I have it because I'm like, dude, I don't wanna be home right now. I'm gonna, and let me tell you something. It's like when you're on the bench, if, if those of you that are athletes, all your friends are starting, they're in the game, they're winning championships and you're on the bench. It's like the worst feeling in the world. I've been there, okay? That's like the worst feeling in the world. It's like, yeah, well, you know, they do all the work. I just go in there for a minute, you know? But that's how it is. You're just watching from the sidelines. God's gonna do something great and I want you to be a part of it. I'm, I'm, I'm telling this not as your pastor, as your friend. God's gonna do something great and I want you to be a part of it. Do it, do it alongside with us. Do it with us. They say, oh, I need my own personal time with you. Hey, man, there were times where we were like cleaning the, like 
this altar. Like on a Saturday after prayer, like clean it up. Hey, we're gonna be painting the walls again because they're dirty. We're gonna be, all these things as a disciple, you do that with your leader. You know, it's always this, oh, I need this one-on-one time. It doesn't need to happen that way, church. And be honest, it doesn't always happen that way. The church and, and working in the church, serving in the church is where discipleship begins to take place. It's where that purification process begins. And so I told you at the start of this that the Apostle Paul was talking about three different people. He was talking about the elders. In, in the book of Titus, he talks about the elders. Then he talks about the believers or the disciples. And then he talks about the liars. And I said, they're all here today. You know, if you lie to yourself, you're still a liar. And some of you, some words have gotten into your mind that are just not of God. But you believe it. You think people don't love you? You think people don't care about you in church? You think, you're just believing in all these lies. And you know what's funny, we say the enemy's telling you these lies, but you're actually affirming them. So you say, oh, the enemy's lying to me. I was talking to a brother this past week at the, at the conference, he said, the enemy's been lying to me, bro. He's been lying to me, and I come here and God talks to me. And he goes, I've been lying to myself. He said that, I'm like, oh. So when the enemy lies to you and then you double down on that lie and you tell yourself that that's the truth, you're a liar. You're lying to yourself. Just because you're not lying to other people, but if you're lying to yourself, you're still a liar. You're lying to yourself. You're saying, I can't do this or this isn't right. You know what my favorite is? You know, The church needs to be perfect. That's a lie. The church just wants your money. That's a lie. The other church down the street is better. I promise you that's a lie. (laughs) If you start to hear these different things, hey, that church over there, they're doing that. We should go over there. That's a lie. If you can't get get fixed in a church where they preach God's word, you're not gonna get fixed at another church. You're not. Did we preach something different than God's word tonight? This is what we do. These are the standards. My pastor is probably watching me right now. If I don't preach out of God's word, he's like, what are you doing? <laughs> and I'll let him do that to me too. We preach out of God's word here. We set the meeting. The purification starts with you. It starts with you, church. I want you to be alongside of this. I think God's doing big things in our church. It's packed on a Wednesday night here to hear me, of all people. You know, it's packed. Our church is growing. Not just our church, our network. Do you realize that conference, we're almost hitting a thousand people per night. Come on. If you didn't know, we started at that little church down the street on Madison. And now it's grown into a network all over the world. And, and you know, Pastor Isaac, can you just stand up for one second because he's wearing the shirt, on the back of your shirt. If you don't know, you see all those cities that are listed on the back of that shirt? That's because God is moving in all those cities. That's because the mosaic is taking place. That's because there are people that are saying, I'm gonna be a part of this. I'm gonna be a part of what God wants in my life and what God wants to do in this network. And I know I'm, I'm, I'm preaching a really pro-reach network message, but you know you could sue me for that if you want. 
but it's because I truly believe that God is moving and we're accomplishing God's will. We're a church planting movement. It doesn't mean that you have to be a pastor to go plant the church. It's not what I'm saying, but you could be a part of that process, a part of that plan. Now I know that maybe tonight I didn't preach a message of salvation, but I did preach a message of purification. And I'm challenging you tonight to be a little bit more than a churchgoer. I want you to examine your life as I'm talking to you at this moment. Are you just a churchgoer? Or can you truly call yourself a disciple? Meaning, are you going to do what the Word of God tells you to do? Are you, are you going to be a part of a church that disciples, that reaches, restores, and releases? to all that capacity. Are you going to be a part of that? Because that's what the, that is what the original intention was and the original design of God's church. You could see it all the way from Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit descends on all the people and they begin to speak in tongues and it sparks a radical revival. What you're seeing right now, this growth, People getting saved is revival. If you can't celebrate that, get it right. If you can't celebrate people jumping and shouting at the altar, if you can't celebrate people crying and weeping and fixing that brokenness, get it right. Because you're a part of this. I believe you're here by divine appointment. We don't take every service lightly. This is the most important part of the service. If I can have every head bowed and every eye closed. This is the most important part of the service. It's maybe I, I, maybe you're saying, Pastor Rob, I don't know if I'm a disciple. I'm having a hard time understanding that. I don't even know if I believe Christ enough to have him change my life. But I do want to take that first step. If that's you, you want to take that first step. Which is, number one, you belong. You already do that. But number two, you believe. Maybe you haven't accepted Jesus as your personal life or your personal Lord and Savior in your life. And maybe you want to take that opportunity to do that this evening. If that's you, I just want you to lift your hand. I believe the Holy Spirit is beginning to speak to some people right now. That God is starting to speak to you. You're probably feeling a heaviness in your heart. You're feeling an emotion. You're feeling maybe a little bit of anxiety. That's not because of me. That's because God is trying to tell you something. If that's you, and you want to rededicate your life, or you want to accept Jesus into your life, just raise your hand. I don't want to move fast through this part of the service. I believe God is speaking to individuals. Is there anyone at all? Anyone at all? You say, you know what? I don't know if I'm part of this mosaic. I don't know if I want to be a part of this church. If that's you just saying, you know, I don't know where I fall in place and you want to accept Jesus, just lift your hand. Just raise your hand. Is there anyone? When Jesus died on that cross, the Bible tells us that he actually died. And when he was taken off that cross, he was actually put into a tomb. And this was something that was predicted 
thousands, a thousand years beforehand that he would raise from the dead and he would be the Savior. And they went to that tomb. They noticed that he wasn't there, that it accomplished the will of the Father. In other words, the prophecies became true that Jesus was the Son of God. And not only that, that he died for humanity, that he died to cleanse you of your sins, to purify you, to change you. That's why we don't move past this part so lightly. He died for you, church. He died for you so that you may receive the salvation that exists today. If that's you and you say, I want to receive that salvation, or you want to rededicate your life, you fell away and you said, you know what, I don't know if if I serve God anymore. I don't know if I love him or I just don't know if, if I'm in his will anymore. I've been, I've been gone for too long. If that's you, just lift your hand. Just lift your hand in this place. Anyone at all? Anyone at all? Amen. Amen. I'm not going to make you talk. I'm not going to make you share anything. I'm not going to make you come up front and tell everybody your name. I'm not going to embarrass you at all. We just want to pray with you. Anyone else? Listen, church, I I preached a message about purification. And you know, I believe all of us are going through some purification. But you know, maybe you went through this past conference, maybe you attended the conference and and you realize, you know what, I, I don't know where I fall in line. I don't know if I fit in. Or maybe you're having doubts. Just doubts of being a disciple. Just doubts that you're even good enough. Just doubts that, you know, maybe it's your past. Maybe because you've had some past hurt past addictions or maybe something that is broken in in you that is just limiting you or maybe the enemy is lying to you and you've listened to those lies if that's you I want you just to come to the front and begin to contend I'm going to open up these altars I want to invite you up if that's you saying you know I just believe the lies I believe that I haven't been a part of God's plan I don't know if this is the right church or if I'm in the right place or if this is where God wants me to be if you have any of those doubts I'm going to open up these altars I'm going to invite you to the front and I appreciate those that are being honest because this is something that everybody could struggle with it doesn't matter if you've been in church for 10 years 20 years the enemy will try to lie to you he'll try to break you down and he's going to try to keep you in your seat when you know that the heaviness is calling you that the spirit of god is moving inside of you and calling you to a place of repentance but rather the enemy is telling you don't repent stay in your seat don't repent stay with me but god wants you amongst his grasp in his midst in his will in his plan but the enemy wants you to stay where you're at he wants you to stay in your seat and i know it's a tough message but maybe you're in ministry maybe you're a leader and you're saying i don't know i don't know if i should be carrying this mantle i don't know if i should be leading other people i'm calling god is calling you right at this moment and trying to tell you he wants to speak with you he wants to meet with you because this is the place where the broken get fixed where the broken mindset begins to fix itself because God is trying to purify us. If that's you, I'm going to open up this altar as we sing unto the Lord. I'm going to open up this altar and I encourage you just to begin to contend this evening. 
Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com give.